This video was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, Star Wars Rebels and Ahsoka wouldn't exist. Learn more about the strike at the link in the description. What's up everyone and welcome back to our Star Wars Rebels rewatch series of videos. Today we are talking about season three. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> this season has everything. <laughs> You sound like uh, that character Bill Hader plays. Is it Stefan? <laughs> Season three has everything. Well, Dark I, Sabers, Night Sisters. I wrote down, listen, we've got smugglers. We've got Sith, Night Sisters, Mandalorians, the Dark Saber, Thrawn, Wedge Antilles, Mon Mothma, Rep Republic Battle Droids, Geonosians, Obi-Wan, and, Obi and the Bindu. <laughs> That's true. All those, all it's those a, things are in there. It's a party. <laughs> Sith, uh, yeah, we have the Sith holocron, and I'm trying to remember: are the Sith in there otherwise? Because there's no. I mean, Maul. That's true. He's... He he kind of dips in and out of being a Sith, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> they the definitely call him Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Well, before we get into the season itself, I've enjoyed starting all of these with kind of. Your, your thoughts or our thoughts and feelings going into the season the very first time we ever watched it. And again, just like season two, like I was way more hyped for two than I was for one. And I remember being very hyped for season three. Yeah. I remember watching some videos. It was, it was not live, but it was a live stream from, uh, was it London it Celebration? Was London Celebration, yeah. Where the big Thrawn reveal happened. I was going to bring that up, yeah. I remember seeing that and just seeing everybody going absolutely crazy. I mean, I went absolutely crazy. We were not at, I remember this vividly. We were not at Celebration that year. Uh, we were watching the live streams from uh, our bedroom. We were just sitting on the bed watching our TV in there. And I remember the organ music and i remember the silhouette and just being like no nah, that can't be who i think it is they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> and then when he stepped out and there's a blue man in the white uniform like i just stood up and ran down the hall and ran back that's no blue man group <laughs> and i i had to go watch the trailer separately after they released it because i couldn't hear the rest of the trailer over the sounds of people screaming in the live stream. Like the reaction to that trailer was phenomenal. It's one of my favorite just Star Wars fan moments of I'm realizing Thrawn's coming back. I'm starting to realize that we have an affinity for the some of the blue characters. We've got Max Rebo, we've got Nubs. Yeah. Thrawn. Blue characters, they're all great. Cad Bane's pretty cool. Name a bad blue character in Star Wars, I dare you. can't think of any <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the reveal that Thrawn was going to be in this season had me more hyped than uh, anything that Star Wars Rebels had done so far and on top of that they announced that there was going to be a new book coming yeah i well we got to talk about Ezra's haircut yeah I mean the trailer in general was just a great trailer when we recorded this for season one I remember saying like oh, I remember getting him getting his haircut and you were like that isn't till season three <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah. That the, was a that was a big big deal. The trailer was very good. 
Uh, I remember just seeing a lot of things of they, they were teasing Ezra using the Sith holocron and all that. And then it all got overshadowed by Thrawn. But there was also the YT-2400. And I remember at that panel, immediately after Dave Filoni gave us this gift of Grand Admiral Thrawn, people were like, was that the Outrider? Is Mara Jade going to be in this? And Dave was like, I knew this was going to happen. The second I give you anything, you're just going to want more and more and more. But, yeah, yeah. But Thrawn was a, a big, big deal for me, having uh, loved reading his books in like the fourth and fifth grade. Uh, that was just a character that was very much a, a major part of Star Wars for me. I, I vaguely knew about Thrawn, but I had never and still have never read the Legends Thrawn trilogy books. I think you'd like him. Still still a know. fan. I've read like one and a half of the new Thrawn books, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I read Alliances because that one had like Anakin and Padme and it, it like jumped around a lot. But um, I don't know. There, there's something about the Thrawn books that doesn't quite hold my attention, but yeah. I love Thrawn in Rebels. And yeah, I, I want to talk about Thrawn and his use in Rebels versus how he's used in some of the books, especially more recently. I, I tend to think that he is used best sparingly, where he's not the focus, he is the villain, or he is someone who is seen through someone else's eyes. Uh, the the newest, or the first new Thrawn book uh, is very much through Eli Vanto and his experience with Thrawn. I think that works great. The original Thrawn trilogy, we see Thrawn through the eyes of our heroes, but also Captain Peleon. So Thrawn always had this air of mystery. Outbound Flight uh, is through a bunch of people from the known galaxy that then fall into Chiss captivity, but they they learn to work alongside the Chiss. So it's always like the less you see of Thrawn's inner monologue and what he's got going on, I think the more compelling he is. And mm-hmm. they, they handle him very well in Rebels, I think. And I upon this rewatch, I liked him even more than I liked him the first time we watched it. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start talking about our rewatch. Just what were your overall thoughts of season three? This one's got a lot of bangers. <laughs> it a really does. A lot of bangers. I was like going through the the episode list earlier, and I was writing down a couple of my favorites, and I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know which one of these is my top favorite. It's hard to choose. There are a lot of very good episodes in this one. I wanted to highlight an episode. That, there are two that I remember just really disliking the first time we watched the series oh yeah iron squadron iron squadron and the Winkathu job and they were like back to back in the release order but i remember this time we got to iron squadron and i was like oh boy i was already <laughs> rolling my eyes like i remember not liking this one and that's I, that's the one with the yt2400 yeah 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 the one with uh mark matten and uh his crew yeah they were all named after Matt Martin and uh, Andy Gutierrez and like people from the Star Wars show team, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, But sorry, I did not like them in our first watch. (laughs) And uh, if you go back and watch our review for that episode, it's very short because I was just like, I'm going to get through this quick. But rewatching it this time, I was prepared to dislike it and I, I understood it a lot more it's still not one of my favorite episodes of the series or season but i got it it was like this nice checkpoint for ezra 
to be with people his age, kind of like if he had never met the ghost crew, this is how he might have wound up. Right. And not only that, but the Thrawn stuff is actually really good in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Him kind of manipulating Constantine into, uh, oh, I'm sure you could handle just a couple rebels with uh, a little freighter with an Arquitans class cruiser. Like, go on, you got this. Yeah. And then waiting for the rebels to come in. And then here comes the Chimera. Like, that was such a great shot. Thrawn knows exactly how to manipulate those around him in the Imperial ranks because he knows how, like, stuck up and kind of dumb they are. Well, it's like he just doesn't think that way. He's like, I'm here to do a job, and he doesn't care about the the glory of it all. He just wants to beat the rebels. But he still is a little bit, like jabbing Constantine be like I'm sure a man of your talents could handle this he's like I mean I could handle it I'm Thrawn I could do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah this we talked a little bit about filler uh in our last video covering season two but yeah this this episode to a lot of people probably looks and feels like filler but again we've kind of learned to dig deeper into such episodes and figure out what is it trying to say how does it play into the rest of the arc of the main story yeah most filler episodes in any series are still going to teach you something about a character or and in this case i do think it is ezra ezra is very much the focus where he's trying to relate to iron squadron and being like you don't have to do this alone Mm -hmm. you can be part of something greater and now mark matten like he is in future episodes in the series and he's in the comics now. He like he does get folded into the rebellion and becomes a part of Starlight Squadron. So I'm like, that is a cool little story for this kid who thought that he could handle it all on his own. Yeah, and had to learn otherwise. It is really nice seeing Ezra talk to people closer to his age in a way that we saw characters like Sabine and Kanan and Hera talk to him mm-hmm. in season one. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just shows some really good character growth for him specifically. Notice how I left out Zeb because they're just giving each other jabs. <laughs> they're still the always time. ribbing each other. They're, yeah, they're always ribbing each other. And yeah, you know, while, while we talk about that, let's jump into the Wincathu job as well. I will say I I still hold pretty much the same opinion on that one where I'm just like, eh, it's okay. I really like the DT series Sentry Droids and it's nice to see them finally get proton bombs. Um, but yeah, that episode is very much Ezra and Zeb just fighting one mm-hmm. another when Zeb is given command over Ezra. Oh, yeah. So is uh, this, Which one is that? That's the it's... one where they do the heist on the ship uh, that's like uh, circling a vortex. With With Hondo. Asmorgan and Hondo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that oh. one is one that I'm like, eh. Once Asmorgan showed up in that one, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he's He's just one of those characters that, and like, that's the point of oh yeah he's supposed to be gross and terrible yeah i'm just like hondo come on man get rid of him (laughs) and i I still continue to enjoy hondo in this series and yeah uh, everything he does with his little ugnaught crew that (laughs) he thinks he's got treasure and at the end it's one of his ugnaughts and he's like ah friendship is the real treasure (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like the rest of the ghost crew kind of gives ezra a little crap and they're like you really this guy again yeah really with hondo again (laughs) 
But to Ezra's credit, they do actually wind up with the proton bombs. And that is a running thing throughout the season that I noticed (laughs) this time that I didn't notice before. Mm -hmm. They're constantly trying to get proton bombs and they keep failing. So this is the episode where they succeed. But that's just something I wanted to bring up in the overall season three discussion because I did want to point out that at least in the case of one episode, my opinion of that one has greatly improved. Mm. And it, it just highlights, I think, our own character growth. <laughs> oh, yeah. The the way that we... Older and wiser yeah, are we now. The way that we view these. Did you just talk like Yoda? Mm-hmm. Nice. Because <laughs> I'm old and wise. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now let's get into the bangers, which, like you said, there's a lot of them. And we can we can just dive into the overall thoughts on this season not just specific episodes because i do i want to go back to thrawn a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about him as a villain and i i really love him being the the full arc i think he works better than the inquisitors mm. in my opinion i mean yeah we're, we're getting to see a villain who is smart and calculated and very like particular about how he wants things done and that we don't see that very often in star wars and it's it's nice to see yeah he's just so capable and i think the first time i watched this i was kind of skeptical of every time he would let them go or they would escape and he would just be like oh i wanted that to happen or you know (laughs) they might have won the battle but we'll win the war and I was like, Thrawn, that excuse only works so many times. But I feel like it didn't happen as many times as I remembered it. And I also understood his plans and his reasoning a lot more. Right. I think there's just one episode where Kanan and Ezra escape and he didn't want them to. Mm. I mean, you see by the end of the season that his plan worked. Mm-hmm. And that's like he, he would have won. He wanted the ghost cell. He wanted Phoenix group. But he also wanted Dodonna's group. And he wanted, just like we're seeing the rebels get deeper and deeper into the rebellion, he wanted to get deeper and deeper into the rebellion and Mm -hmm. waited until the right moment to strike. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I understood that back then, but I saw every little piece of it a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, okay. I forgive you, Thrawn. You were you were doing the right thing. The, it, not not the morally right thing, but for your goals. <laughs> the episode of where we go back to Hera's childhood home mm-hmm. was a great one for Thrawn specifically because you see how close the ghost crew and Thrawn get to each other and like that was I got chills in that episode when like they were sneaking around each other. I was like, "Oh my god, this makes me so nervous." Um and yeah, that that episode just sticks out for me for being one of the first ones in the season that makes me actually scared of Thrawn. And, and I like the way that he kind of plays along with Hera and her. She pretends to be a servant mm-hmm. and he plays along with that until the right moment. And he's like, come on, yeah. we know each other. We know who we are. <laughs> he wants to learn as much as he can. So in that moment, he's like, OK, I'll play this game. And, and that's one of the episodes that deals with his love of art and culture. And, and I don't want to say his love of it, his Obsession. desire to understand it so that he can control and dominate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it works really well. And that was, I was going to say my favorite Thrawn episode is Through Imperial Eyes, because that's another very cat and mouse game where Thrawn 
figures it all out at the end and it's because of like sabine's art and he's able to connect all these dots and he's like boom nailed it mm. first try which episode is the one where he makes the guy get on the speeder bike uh that is a an inside man i think that might be my favorite Thrawn episode just for that one part you see him just being so dark and so brutal knowing that that worker is going to get on that speeder bike and it's going to explode and he wants everyone in mm -hmm. that room to see it happen and i think that that's a good moment to highlight in star wars rebels because people keep talking about thrawn and his appearance in ahsoka what's he going to be like will he be an anti-hero or a sympathetic villain or anything like that and you know the books do paint him to be more just, just you get to the point where you understand him and his motivations but he's still a bad guy he still joins the galactic empire he still makes a deal with the devil palpatine to join the imperial navy even if it is to protect his people and everything he's putting just society on top of every other person and he's willing to kill for it like yeah the more you he's get a to, villain the more you get to read from someone's perspective even if they're a villain you can start to sympathize with them and we've gotten so many thrawn books and so many thrawn stories that a lot of people do sympathize with him yeah it, it kind of reminds me of thanos when he appeared in infinity war and in game and people were like oh he makes some good points he's <laughs> like he's still murdering half of the universe like yeah uh what's the brooklyn 99 thing like cool motive still murder mm -hmm. that is what thrawn reminds me of is that i think that at one point he was a good person but he's kind of a an illustration of you you will fall down you will fall to the dark side if you're willing to work with the sith or the devil or whoever mm -hmm. like you can't make deals with people like that space devil mm -hmm. um but yeah he's still such a compelling villain to watch because uh we were talking about that episode warhead this season where zeb has to stop that imperial infiltrator droid from giving away their position and he succeeds but every little rebel victory thrawn is able to turn that into a success for his goals and he's like now i don't know exactly where the rebel base is but i know it has to be one of the planets where we sent infiltrator droids mm -hmm. so the way that he's able to turn a loss into uh victory is just great to see and it's scary i think that they're going to heighten that even further in ahsoka i love the warhead episode mostly for the humor of it all it's it's like everybody leaves and zeb is in charge with and he's there with like chopper and ap5 and ap5 just throws so much shade at everybody but especially zeb because he's like the big dumb strong one according to him and it's it's so funny i think that's another episode that people might consider filler but again it it advances the thrawn story but also it's nice character-wise for Zeb, who does mm -hmm. see himself as the brute force. He's left behind, and yeah. AP5 is just <laughs> insulting him the entire time, but he's the one that comes up with a solid plan. Yeah, he eventually comes up with a good idea, and AP5 is like, I have no words. I'm shocked <laughs> that, that you came up with a good plan. Um, I want to jump back to closer to the beginning of the season and talk about Wedge, the mm. Antilles extraction 
because obviously I'm excited to see Wedge. I think that's a fun story to to watch his defection. Mm-hmm. But I also have to bring up the the Rebels recon episode surrounding that. And uh, Pablo Hidalgo talked about how they almost made that Biggs. To be honest with you, though, everybody really wanted Biggs. In season one, Sabine had a checkerboard pattern on her armor, and Biggs has a checkerboard pattern on his helmet. And we had thought, wow, what if she's the one who painted that on his helmet? We were this close, this close to getting... So close. Why can't we just do... It could have been Wedge and Biggs, or Wedge, Hobby, and Biggs. Like, have them all there. Hobby is in one of the episodes. Hobby is in the same episode with Wedge. And I'm like, why why can't we do Biggs? Just take it as maybe they're saving it for something even better. I think they talked about how basically the, the deleted scenes that we see from A New Hope that they were treating that as, you know, George set this up, so Biggs probably defected closer to the Battle mm-hmm. of Yavin than several years before. So I get it. Maybe I they get thought, it, but come on. Oh, come on. So close. Maybe they thought, you know what? This animation just can't do the mustache justice. We have to wait. They tried and they just, okay, I'll buy that. That'll be my headcanon <laughs> for now. Okay. But I like that episode because you get to see how how far they're willing to go to to save Wedge and bring him into the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like three people. It, it does show kind of the desperation of the re- rebellion at that point. They're like, we're running out of pilots, and so we're going to go save these three. <laughs> and turns out that was a great idea because Wedge is, is a good one to have around. Exactly. He makes some good decisions in the future. Yeah. He survives two Death Star runs. He leads Rogue and Red Squadron at some point. Like, good job. Yeah. Just goes to show, like, every person matters in the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's also the first episode where we we don't get it confirmed that Callus is Fulcrum, but you're basically like, okay, he probably is. Mm. First of all, that's when we hear his, like, jarbled transmission. Right. And I'm like, knowing that it's Callus, I'm shocked I didn't figure it out. I think I saw people figuring it out online, but it it sounds just like him. I don't know that I would have figured it out, but I I actively try not to figure stuff like that out. Right. But then at the end of the episode, he helps Sabine and Wedge and Hobby escape. He basically looks the other way, and then he's like, tell Zeb we're even. Right. Um. But also give him a kiss. Uh-huh. <laughs> give give him a hug for me. <laughs> Pat, give him this note. <laughs> a little smooch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> also, I'm Fulcrum. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's also the uh, Tide Defender is in this season, which that was another big deal for me. <laughs> How did you feel about that? We talked about that in the episode where it showed up because I was like, "Is that that's the that's the big deal?" ship the big deal ship i was like why is it such a big deal and you're like it has shields it has three wings look at it molly i was like look how scary that is wow (laughs) just one of those legends ships that i love to see come back and now we're getting the e-wing and ahsoka very exciting times for for old ship fans yeah i mean great that they have shields That, that does make them scarier but it's they just stuck another wing on there <laughs> well it's interesting that and they inverted it uh it's interesting that they used the tie defender as this big 
threat to the Rebellion and their starfighters. And it, it gives Star Wars Rebels bigger stakes. Having Thrawn in the story, having him developing the TIE Defender, those are two things that really would have altered the course of the war, I think. Mm-hmm. And not, we're not going to get to the solution to that until season four, but it does, to me, make Star Wars Rebels and the Ghost Crew seem like, oh, they actually did make some huge contributions to the Rebellion winning. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Ghosts of Geonosis episodes because mm. that was another... I, in season two, we talked about how fun it was to have the Star Wars Rebels episode with Finn Rao in it and that same day the comic came out. This was just fun timing where I think these were the first two episodes that uh, released after Rogue One. So okay. 2016 was the first half of Star Wars Rebels season three. Then we saw Rogue One and like the ghost was there and Chopper was in it and you could hear General Syndulla on the intercom. We met Saw Gerrera and then like a month later when Star Wars Rebels returned, we got to watch the ghost of Geonosis. Yeah. And Saw is kind of scary in this episode. He's, I mean, you can see the cracks forming for sure. I like how they handled him. First, I love that Forrest Whitaker, this was the first time he voiced him, and Forrest keeps coming back to play Saw. I think he really likes the character. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Saw at first seems like a really capable warrior, Ezra looks up to him, Rex is like, oh yeah, great guy, I knew him from the Clone Wars, and then everyone sees him devolving. Yeah, kind of starting to lose it a little bit. Yeah. We also need to address the elephant the in the room. I was going to bring this up later, but you can do it now for things that don't work for us. Uh, yeah, the the name that Ezra comes up with for the Geonosian character in this one is not not the best. No, I, I remember saying that in my review for the episode when it came out, where Ezra's like, "I'm going to call you Click Clack," and it's like th- that might have just been that Geonosian saying hello. And you're just like, I'm going to name you after the noises you make. Yeah. And granted, that language, the Geonosian language, is is very different from basic, you know. And so it, no one else knows the language. So they're just, they're just doing the best they can. They're just but doing their best. But that never <laughs> seemed good to me. Could have named him Greg or something. I don't know. <laughs> or, or Geo or something like <laughs> yeah. Geo the Geonosian. I don't know. But... Yeah, the, but I, I do really like that episode for another comic connection, which we learn about oh, uh, the, egg. the Geonosian egg that is being protected. And that tied back into the Darth Vader comics from 2015, I believe. And we saw a Geonosian queen there. And I, I think Pablo Hidalgo confirmed that that was kind of something they seeded in the comics because they knew it was coming at some point in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know animation works so far ahead that they were like oh let's show the end of this story the downside of that is that the end of the story is very sad uh that that geonosian queen does survive and then darth vader eventually kills it so hopefully there's another geonosian egg around there somewhere they can get away with sad endings like that in the comic books i feel like yeah rather than the shows and stuff But but yeah this this episode was cool because we get we get to see kind of like further into how the Geonosians were wiped out, mm-hmm. and poor 
Greg, who is going to, that's going to be my name for him going forward. Poor Greg was trying to tell them about the Death Star and they're just being dummies about it. it, it yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fun connection to Rogue One and the Death Star and everything that we learned. And yeah, poor, he's just like drawing the same thing over and over. And he's like trying to, he's like, my name's not Click Clack. Also, you're all idiots. Yeah, they think it's the egg and then they think it's the big round like explosives that they find the, out or the poisonous yeah, gas. Yeah, the poison gas. And he's like, no. He's like, whatever. I'm taking my egg. I'm going yeah. to my hole. Goodbye. You all go away. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave. Uh, <laughs> moving on, we got to talk about the Darksaber. And it it's three main episodes mm-hmm. this season, which are so good. Yeah. Uh, the I know you loved Visions and Voices. That's the one with the Night Sisters, the, the Night Sister ghosts in yeah. it. Yeah. Any spooky stuff is going to definitely perk up my attention and and getting to go back to Dathomir and see Maul again he's in it right yeah that's Maul that's, brings Ezra to Dathomir right and then they they go to this like night sister magic stone or something yeah like this altar. altar it was really cool to see all the night sister ghosts pop out and like possessing uh, possessing Sabine people and Kanan. right like that kind of Turned out way worse. I, I love Maul being like, come run, we have to make it to the entrance and then we can help your friends. And then they make it out. He's like, I'm just kidding. Like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> but, you know, Maul is a, a character that I felt like was in more of this season, but really it's just three episodes. And But he's such a commanding presence that mm-hmm. uh, he had the, the holocrons of fate, visions and voices and twin sons. I think that was it. Yeah, uh, but that's when Sabine finds the dark saber, and then Trials of the Dark Saber is widely considered to be one of the best episodes of the series, which is awesome. It's the the first episode that really gave us the dark saber lore that we're so familiar with now. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, it was just like this is a Mandalorian weapon that was created, and then the Jedi took it and hid it in the Jedi Temple until we liberated it again. But to learn it was from Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi, and it was this symbol of Mandalorian power and how much that has spiraled out since then into the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett is really fun. And it all came from this one little like cool animated segment. Yeah. It, I, the whole thing's animated, but it was a, <laughs> especially animated It was like thing. an animated segment within an animated show. Yeah. It was cool. And yeah, this is a great episode for Sabine. We get to dive a little bit deeper into her trauma and she gets to work some stuff out and we get a ton of just cool like lightsaber lore between her and Kanan like uh training and stuff it, again stuff that has come back up in the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett where Din feels that the weapon weapon is heavy and Sabine is like it feels heavy at first and then Kanan's like as you bond with the blade and the crystal it'll be lighter and yeah, lots of little, like, fun Star Wars nuggets of information dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on top of a really fantastic story about Sabine and coming to terms with her family that, like, abandoned her, we get her full story. I think this is this is at least the first episode where I remember hearing Sabine's musical theme, which then pops up again and again, and it just sounds so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we immediately go from there into... Uh, the legacy of Mandalore, 
where she goes back to her family. And uh, that that one ends and she stays behind and you were like, wait, hold on. I was like, I didn't remember that. I was like, she's just with them now. And she's like, all right, good luck, everyone. I'm needed here. I was like, no, that's not cool. Yeah, that that's something that surprised me as well. I was like, is she just not in the show anymore? And then, of course, she comes back a little yeah. bit later. And uh, that I, I feel like that is going to keep happening in Star Wars where a it happened in resistance as well like a character left and i'm like okay they'll be back this is they're pulling a sabine on us mm-hmm. but yeah that all of these dark saber related episodes and sabine centric episodes are great because star wars is all about digging deeper into family trauma so it just feels right <laughs> yeah it, it's it's interesting to see sabine who has created this found family then having to go and confront her actual family right. and everything that comes with it. Uh, one of the biggest moments that we need to talk about from this whole series is the episode Secret Cargo and the delivery of Mon Mothma to Dantooine mm-hmm. and the speech that she gives, which I'm like, are they going to, are we going to see this again in season two of Andor? Cause it feels like just one of the biggest moments for Mon Mothma. Yeah. And our, our are we going to see her speech in the Senate and then a reference to what happened at Dantooine? Or I'm very curious to see how they cover this, if they do at all. I would love to see it happen in Andor, her Senate speech. It's interesting because we can just lump this into a discussion of Twin Sons because also phenomenal episode. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have said now, now that Disney Plus is a thing, they're like, hmm kind of wish we got to see that in live action uh i don't know how do you feel about star wars rebels telling these really big important stories that uh that that's probably going to be the definitive version does that bother you at all i'm fine with it because they can get away with more bigger and and like just i I don't know more more star warsy stuff in animation than they can in live action i think they're getting better and better at it, but I just think they, they can get away with more in an animated show. I'm just, it, it doesn't bother me as someone who, I mean, we, we just watch everything. So animated live action, it doesn't bug me. And it, it makes me ho- uh, hopeful that people who just watch live action, that if they don't, I, like, I want to see it. I want to see Mothma's speech in Andor, but if they don't do it, I'm like, well, we already have it. And hopefully people will go watch it themselves Mm -hmm. also for twin sons i think it might have been even weirder to have that fight in live action well yeah the way that it ends they would have to have gotten ray park to come back and then how do we get sam witwer's voice with like mixed in to that and i don't think that's a problem i i don't know i it just would have it would have felt weird maybe I wonder if there would have been a bigger like when the fight happened and it it's so quick. Yeah. I remember people being like a little let down by it. I think now people have realized what it's about and I don't see any backlash against it anymore, but if it were in the last episode of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series or something and that was the fight, I wonder what the reaction would have been. I don't know that live action fans who showed up to watch that I'm just curious to see if they would have handled it, it well. Would have, it would have been hard to fit that 
that day into the timeline of Obi-Wan. I know. I'm, I'm just saying if it were in any live action production. Right. I, I don't know. I like the way that it was done. I like that it was quick. I love that it was quick. You know, and it shows just how desperate Maul was. He's using the same moves that he used to kill Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan knows that. Obi-Wan's smart. He's had time to reflect and, I guess, train, but he's he's just smarter and quicker than Maul in that moment. And you can see once Maul is defeated, he has been ready to give up. <laughs> he's like, okay. He has been ready to give all this up. And he immediately like switches to like asking about the chosen one and how it'll set them well, free. He's still like he will avenge us. Like his thoughts are still on vengeance. But yeah. Uh, but he does seem to have found some level of peace. Yeah. Like he's not mad at Kenobi in his final moments. That moment is so like that. I think is my favorite episode of the season, mm. just because of that whole moment it's it's so good and That's, like i i remember watching it for the first time being really they did a good job of teasing it going into the episode and then the build-up of the fight is very intense as they're swapping uh their stances and everything and i i know sam witwer has talked through all of the obi-wan does the classic stance and then he sees maul get ready and he switches to uh the qui-gon stance to go to maul and to mm-hmm that same attack and, and yeah. then he eventually goes to like his stance that well, i think i think he does this Vader. and then he does kind of an oh this and then <laughs> that yeah the final stance he settles on is qui-gon's so that he can convince maul to try to do the same thing which yeah. is just the whole thing maul hasn't grown he is still all about vengeance even when he's dying he's thinking about vengeance but i do love their final conversation and you can tell obi-wan just feel sorry for him and and he didn't want to fight he was just like yeah. i'm i'm just gonna stand here until luke is mentioned and he's like well now i have to defend luke mm-hmm. now it's different but what a the way he what like a cool holds fight. him and like closes his eyes is like kind of a sweet moment and he gives him according to from a certain point of view the the book he gives maul a jedi burial he a, a funeral pyre Mm-hmm. it's not like he just drops him in the desert and leaves him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that moment, how quick the fight is. I, I always loved it. Like I was surprised, but in a good way, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. Uh, yeah. I think the last episode to talk about is the two part finale zero hour. Yeah. We haven't really talked about the Bindu much. But yeah. The Bindu has a big moment in the finale. And the Bindu is another character that I remember. I'm like, this is the Bindu season and he's in like three or four episodes. And yeah. He's not in the show a ton. Yeah. Which I think is good. Like use the weird Star Wars mystical stuff sparingly, but they used it enough so that I was like, okay, yeah, I, I remember him well. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where Kanan goes to get help from the Bindu. And he's like, what? please help. And he, Bindu's like, no, it's a, I don't it's, want to. Yeah, another illustration of how choosing to be the one in the middle uh, doesn't help anything. If anything, it hurts the light side. Yeah. The, you're like, nah, I'm just going to. I don't get involved in this kind of stuff. It's kind of like the Ents, really. It, that, that, mm-hmm. That's what it's making me think of, of the Ents being like, 
we we have no one we, we're not on any side because no one is on our side and then realizing that if you don't take a side the the powers of evil are going to cut your trees down yeah they're gonna come for you eventually but they're also like we got to make sure this is worthwhile for all of us to like get up and go do something <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I like the way that kanan basically spurred him into action by just making him angry mm-hmm. and unleashing that storm and everything yeah and like he's he's attacking anything and anyone he's just like get off my planet yeah get off my lawn angry man is in clouds yeah angry man yells from cloud (laughs) (laughs) what do you think we're gonna see from the bindu in the future if anything at all Mm, i don't know because uh not too long ago i was i was thinking it would be cool to see the bindu pop up in like the high republic because a, a being like that could be around at any point in Star Wars history. So it'd be cool to go way, way back in time and see him. I also can't tell if he is like bound to that planet. I don't think he is. He seems bigger and more mystical than that. But he does call Adelon like, you've brought war to my world. So I'm like, does he does he just chosen to live here? Would he appear at another planet and look different? Because he definitely seemed to take on the form of uh, Adelon's flora. Yeah, he could have just been saying my world, like yeah. my get off my lawn. Yeah, this you know? is just where I've chosen <laughs> like, to live for now. And it, it goes along with him choosing to be in the middle. You know, he's he's choosing to like be stagnant and like not pout, but like also not help. <laughs> right. Things. Well, I think that's a good point. He does say something along the lines of like, "Do you think it was a mistake that this place was so hard to find? Like, I'm just trying to hide <laughs> mm-hmm. and." live out my life uh so yeah it's actually very similar to luke in the last jedi where he he says something similar like do you think it's a mistake i came to the most unfindable planet in the Mm -hmm. galaxy (laughs) yeah but yeah it's interesting i do think slash hope we see more from the bindu at some point in the future of the timeline past whatever i think he's interesting if anyone's gonna bring the bindu back it'll be dave in some at some point in Ahsoka maybe or another spinoff show I don't know but it yeah we need to know a little bit more about him as a being like a lot of people were like is he dead because he like got shot out of the sky but I don't think he's dead I don't think you can necessarily kill him he got shot out of the sky and then Thrawn shot at him but he like disappears and you just hear him laughing so yeah the Bindu is not dead yeah and i i feel like he can change his appearance like he might always look a bit like a an ox gorilla but he can turn into a storm he can put those weird mushroom antlers on his head or what <laughs> it, whatever he looks like from adelon it would be interesting if sometime in the future we got to see the bindu interact with Thrawn, with thron well in his interaction in this season I think it's interesting that he he gives that prophecy like I see your failure your defeat demise surrounding you like a uh, many cold arms or something and then in season four we see that play out but I'm really curious to know if that prophecy will play out again I think that would be cool if Thrawn's final defeat had some metaphorical way that it could link back to that prophecy the White Walkers are coming. Yeah, the, <laughs> just a bunch of White oh, Walkers no. hugging to death. 
But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the season. So I, you already talked about your favorite episode. Uh, it was Twin Sons, you think? I think so. I think my favorite episode was Through Imperial Eyes. I know Trials of the Dark Saber is probably the best one of the season, or it's widely celebrated, but I really loved the cat and mouse game in Through Imperial Eyes. I loved seeing Thrawn and his elements. That That's like the closest to book Thrawn I feel like the show got, where he is outsmarting everyone and he's using art to do it just feeling perfect thrawn energy from him <laughs> <laughs> he's in his thrawn era yeah 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 so I, i'm really excited to see if that can translate into ahsoka and beyond in future series and stories and just i, I want to see that but even more heightened because i do think they toned him down a bit for animation just to make his strategies and everything a little bit simpler, mm-hmm. but st- that that was really really good. Yeah, and like all the stuff with Callus towards the end when we find out definitely that he is Fulcrum, and when Thrawn figures it out, that's great. Like that's a great moment too, when all that kind of shifts, and then we get hot Callus. Right. <laughs> so that's if you strike me down, you'll only make me hotter. <laughs> uh, for. Other notable moments, I wanted to bring up AP5 singing, because I know you love that. Yeah, the he gets like shot out into space, and then there are these little like space... Nibres, I think they're called. Nibre. He, he just like has this existential moment when he's floating out there that he starts singing, and I was like, this he's is... He's like, I'm alone, but I'm not sad. <laughs> I'm happy about it. Yeah. Well, he's happy about it because he's not surrounded by idiots anymore. <laughs> And then when he sees his rescue and he's like, no, 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 no. And then the perfect comedic beat of the ship swallowing him up and you hear that clang. No, 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 go away. I was so happy. Yeah. (laughs) As he hits the other wall. That had to have been a rough landing for him because, yeah, the ship comes in not, not that slowly and he's just kind of like floating real slowly and just he just ends up in in the ship. So good. And he's just saying, I was so happy out there. I didn't want to come back. Oh, AP5. Uh, is there anything in the season that didn't work well for you? Um, I don't think so, other than Greg and his other name. Uh-huh. Uh, I already talked about the Winkathu job where I'm still just like, eh, on that episode. I did want to talk about Ezra and the Holocron because the trailer for that, the the... The end of season two made me think that that was going to be a struggle for Ezra throughout the season. And it's really over in the first two episodes. Yeah, the first episode really gets into it where you see him tapping into something maybe a little dark to I mean, to, they, to I, fight. I think they sufficiently went dark with him. Uh, him using the force to compel the ATDP driver to open fire on stormtroopers and then walk himself off a cliff is dark. It was dope, but it was dark. (laughs) But there are other lines where Hondo says, like, is that really Ezra? And Sabine's like, most of the time. And you get this sense that there was just more to see from that. Mm. And I feel like we just got the end of his dabble with darkness. And you, I think we talked about this last time. I just like to see some of this stuff instead of hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that they did enough covering it. It's just something I could have stood to see more of. Yeah. 
So I think the only thing we have left to discuss is the chopper body count. Ooh. Uh, okay, so last season we were in the 4,000s. How many people or droids or beings do you think Chopper killed this time? Just in this season? Yes, just in this season. See, I can never remember if he has just taken out a whole ship. So I'm going to guess that it's more than 4,000. It's not this time. Okay. (laughs) He does not destroy an entire ship full of people that I saw. Uh, I only wrote down four this time oh right uh i think he destroys one tie fighter um maybe a droid or maybe a stormtrooper on its own he does blow up the entire hera household the syndulla household oh this is where things get i think there were a couple people in there there were definitely two that we saw just straight up destroyed and blown up so that's i only put it on four confirmed but there are probably more people inside the house. So I have to admit, my number is probably not correct. And I also really want to point out that as he was planting the bombs, he was giggling gleefully. Like he's <laughs> Did it say that in the subtitles? I, I, I think it did say giggling or something. Like he's rolling around on his one wheel, just like joyfully yeah. throwing bombs on the walls. <laughs> he did have... That was a magical moment for him. Yeah, that was funny. I really wonder what they're going to do with him in Ahsoka, how far they're going to lean into. Are we going to see him rolling on his one middle wheel like oh, to go I real fast? So. Is he going to be wielding two blasters at the same time? <laughs> like That's something that is goofy, but they can pull it off in animation. I don't know if it would look as good <laughs> in live action. I think we'll see him hitting a lot of people. like That giving, I can see. Giving him a good smack. And then people can smack him back. We kept talking about how every time he gets hit or falls down, he just sounds like an empty metal bucket. And I've been calling him Chaos Bucket. That's interesting, too, is that in the show, you can have people just wailing on Chopper with a wrench. (laughs) When you've built the puppet and the prop... No one's going to want to do that. I mean, they could do it in CG, but I wonder... They've made him out of steel. I wonder if we're going to see Zeb, like, kick him over or anything. Mm. It'll be interesting to see all this stuff get translated, but... Yeah. I think that'll bring us to the end of our season three discussion, so only one more season to go, and we'll talk about that next week. This feels like it went by so quickly. It did. We we really did blow through season three. It's it's too good not to. I think we watched it in like three sittings. And just like you said, there were a ton of bangers. Very good. Very good season. Yeah, A+. plus. <laughs> well, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter. Or whatever uh, Twitter's calling itself now. X? Don't know how much yeah. longer we'll do that. But I'm going to keep calling Follow it. us on socials. We're on Twitter. social places. We're on Twitter. We're on blue sky we're on threads and instagram and facebook too many places this is too many things well the more the merrier i get no (laughs) what (laughs) just look up star wars explained on whatever social media you care about today yeah (laughs) and consider checking out our patreon page which is pretty cool that's always patreon's always cool always (laughs) as always thank you all for watching and may the force be with you Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. 
My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count. Guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.